Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, as I always say. You know what? I have such great listeners. And you are helping me let everyone know that people really want quality of life. Americans with disabilities want quality of life and employment, and you're helping me spread that news. And, oh, are you in for a treat. You don't know how excited I have been knowing that I have the champion of all champions, the civil rights leader for people with disabilities, Deputy Secretary Seth Harris from the U.S. Department of Labor, who works for Secretary Solis. And may I tell you, I've known him for several years. I've been blessed in my life to meet certain people that really care. He's one of them. I'll tell you a little story about him later. But he is a voice for us with President Obama. He was the leader for the disability community during the Obama campaign and at New York Law School helped head up the Tony Fellow Lecture Series. A great leader, a great champion, my friend and yours, Seth Harris, welcome to the show. Joyce, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I'm a big fan of yours, a great admirer of the work you do uh, putting people with disabilities to work. And it's really a pleasure to be with you and your listeners today. Well, thank you very much. And uh, Deputy Secretary, even before we get started, uh, you know, this is just the kind of person he is, but there is something he wanted to talk about, so I'm going to let you go first. I, well, I appreciate it, Joyce. I wanted to uh, uh, just mention to your listeners uh, uh, this terrible tragedy that happened yesterday in, uh, in Whitesville, West Virginia, um, at, a, at the Upper Big Branch Mine, which is run by the A.T. Massey Company. There was a terrible uh, uh, explosion there, apparently, um, that uh, destroyed large parts of the mine. Uh, Twenty-five miners uh, lost their lives. Uh, four are still unaccounted for. Two were seriously injured and are currently hospitalized. It's a terrible tragedy and a terrible loss for all of us who care about working families, those of us who've committed our lives to improving the lot of working families. It's just a devastating blow. Our hearts go out to the, the families of the miners, uh, to the people in the community of Whitesville and the surrounding communities in southern West Virginia. Um, this, is, this is a loss for all of us, and it reminds us that uh, every worker matters, and the safety and health of every worker matters. Every worker should be seen as a valuable contributor in whatever workplace they are toiling, and uh, employers have to take responsibility for assuring that their workers are kept, kept safe, kept healthy, and certainly are not exposed to the kinds of tremendously dangerous risks that we saw in this mine and the, the terrible tragedy that resulted. So I appreciate, Joyce, you giving me a chance to, to talk about it a little bit. Your listeners may want to join in on that, but I, um, I know I'm spending my day thinking about those miners and, and, and thinking about those brave men and women and the rescue teams who are trying to get in there and look for these uh, uh, last four miners to make sure that they are finally accounted for. Well, actually, uh, we are also not just on the air online, but we're online with Twitter and Facebook. And here we go, uh, Deputy Secretary Harris. I am so excited when I heard you mention this right at the beginning. I say that because many people do not think of people that work in the coal mine equal possibly to other jobs that some would see as more important or higher level but I really appreciate that you're reminding America that all levels matter, says Sam. Well, thank you, Sam. I appreciate it, and thank you for your comment. 
You know, and I want to say about that to all the listeners, and, and my heart, my prayers go out to the families also. Uh, this really got to me because my mother and her, her family, my mother's family, we're all coal miners, and I know how hard that work is. It's very, very hard work. Um, and, and so, you know, that was just, it's just a tragedy. It, and it so is. And know I, this. And I know your families, this, we will I, all be thinking of you. I know you're uh, uh, you're from Western Pennsylvania, and that you uh, that that uh, yeah, not born and bred in the coal patch, but nearby. And this is, um, you know, these are folks who go miles underground, often in very tight spaces. Um, they're you know they're breathing air that needs to be ventilated in order to be safe. There are dangerous gases down there. There's the, the chance of roof collapse. These are dangerous jobs, but. They are jobs where tragedies like this can be avoided. Employers must take the responsibility that the law assigns to them to make sure that every worker gets home at night safe to their family. Amen to that. Well, listen, uh, Deputy Secretary, I wonder if you could start by telling our listeners throughout the world what your role is at the Federal Department of Labor. What actually does it mean to be the Deputy Secretary? Well, um, uh, you know, sort of technically speaking, I'm the number two here at the Labor Department. Really what I am is the Chief Operating Officer, and we are a 17,000-person, $117 billion corporation, um, and really a federation of several different agencies, all of which are dedicated to assuring good jobs for everyone, but each of which has a different role in trying to assure that American workers have good jobs. So we have the Mine Safety and Health Administration, which is so critical today and yesterday, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, but we also have the International Labor Affairs Bureau, the Wage and Hour Division, the Employment and Training Administration, and, of course, one of your favorites, Joyce, the Office of Disability Employment Policy, which dedicates itself to producing policies and strategies that will increase the employment rate among people with disabilities. And, and as you might imagine, given my background, I spend a lot of time with the folks in ODEP because this is an issue I care a great deal about. And I know you do, and I know you have for a long time. Um, and, and I just want to say right now, you know, a lot of times when you're watching the news and you see people talking like Deputy Secretary Seth Harris, you're thinking, well, you know, yeah, sure, they say that. But I just want you to know he means it. He's genuine. He's been doing this for a long time, and he has made disability so important for a long time, and I applaud you for all of that. And I know that President Obama is also supporting the disability community, and, and I thought maybe you could talk about that for a minute. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, and, and let me say, when I, when I signed up with President Obama, it was because I thought that he... Uh, was a forward-looking guy, somebody who cared about justice in our world, somebody who understood what barriers in our society looked like and how to knock them down, somebody who had a firm, strong commitment to uh, change for working families, including uh, people with disabilities. So when I signed up with, uh, with uh, then-candidate Obama back in January 2007, I went in with a great deal of hope, and I think a lot of people in the disability community felt that same sense of hope. This is, uh, you know, hope is a word that is in short supply in, in the disability community, unfortunately. We don't, we, there's not enough talk about hope. We, we uh, often, too often, I think, 
get caught up in talking about barriers and failures and problems that we face and, and uh, all those tremendous issues that keep us from succeeding uh, in creating this just America that we want to see. Um, but what President Obama gave people in, in the disability community, I think in many communities that have been left out and disadvantaged for too long, uh, was the opportunity to dream about a world or to, or to plan for, maybe not just dream about, but plan for a better world, a more just world, a world that, where everybody had genuine opportunity. So when I, when I got involved uh, with his disability policy uh, committee uh, on the campaign and also with his labor policy committee, um, that was where the discussion really began. What does hope mean? What does change we can believe in mean for people with disabilities? And I think President Obama is, is really delivering now. One of the first things that he did when he got into office was to make the United States a signatory to the U.N. Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. You know, Joyce, I know you know this. Uh, the U.S. has long been a leader in the world on disability rights. Um, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which our friend Tony Quello authored, was the model for disability legislation across the, uh, the world. Um, but we had lost that leadership role. We had sat silent for too long as the world's most important power um, on this most critical of human rights issues. President Obama early in his tenure said, we're going to do it. He signed it, and he restored the United States to its leadership role. But he's done more than that. He's put people who care about this issue, who know a great deal about this issue, throughout the government, at our friends at, across the mall at the Department of Health and Human Services, even in FEMA, in the Justice Department, in the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, here at the Labor Department, who are working every day to figure out how we can improve the lot of people with disabilities and make this a more just world. So I think he's going to be, I, I, I'll make a prediction, I think that President Obama will go down as, if not the most important uh, president for people with disabilities, certainly one of the most transformational presidents for people with disabilities, and he's beginning to rack up these successes for the community that I think are going to pay dividends down the road. And I agree with you, and I just want to mention, I was just telling this story today to someone that, you know, when the Supreme Court Judge Sotomayor, the day I was sitting at home, when I saw on CNN, when he's talking to this group, you were probably there at the White House, um, and about, you know, her being nominated, and told the story about, yes, when she grew up, her favorite author uh, stories were Nancy Drew stories. Mm -hmm. She loved those Nancy Drew stories because it, it taught her that she wanted to be in the law or, you know, solve crimes, do something like this. And then someone said to her, no, no, you can't do that. You know why? Because you have diabetes. And then he said, but as you can see, whether, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, and no matter what your challenge is, you can fulfill your dream. I want to tell you, I jumped straight up in the air and started clapping, and then I called the White House because I was so excited hearing a president say that. Yeah, I think, that's ex I think that's exactly the spirit that people felt during the campaign and are still experiencing during, the, uh, uh, during President Obama's first uh, year and a couple of months in office. I mean, think about, think about this monumental accomplishment of health insurance reform that he just accomplished and what it's oh. going to mean just with respect to the employment of people with disabilities, right? First of all, let's acknowledge that presidents have been trying for a hundred years 
to get health insurance reform, and Barack Obama got it done. But then think about what the consequence for the disability community is going to be. In my view, and I know you share this view, Joyce, one of the biggest barriers to people with disabilities getting into and staying in competitive employment is reliable health insurance. There are a lot of people in the disability community, like most Americans, who need to have reliable, affordable, good quality health insurance before they can take a job. They can't take a job that doesn't provide them with health, with the health insurance that they need in order to be able to take care of themselves and take care of their families. Um, and so this, this barrier, this tremendous barrier to employment, a barrier that's that's pushed a lot of people onto Social Security Disability Insurance and, and SSI, um, who otherwise might have gone into the labor market and gotten and stayed in jobs, that barrier has now been almost entirely removed. Now, every American is going to be able to get good quality, affordable health insurance. If they can't afford it, they will get a subsidy. They will be assured that they can't be denied good quality health insurance because they have a pre-existing condition. Barack Obama led the fight to make that happen, and I think we're going to see tremendous effects in the labor market. In my, I, I've, you know, those of us at the Labor Department see the labor market as our part of the world, the part of the world that we're supposed to be trying to improve. I think we're going to see tremendous benefits for workers with disabilities in the labor market because of health insurance reform. And even though it wasn't sold that way, it wasn't pitched that way, I think people in the disability community understand what this means for them. It's a tremendous breakthrough, a historic breakthrough that President Obama was able to accomplish. Well, I know as the chair of the National Epilepsy Foundation and as a woman living with epilepsy and someone that hires people with disabilities, I know what that pre-existing condition has done to so many people, and to see that gone is truly monumental, and I really do appreciate it, uh, President Obama. I do. I really do appreciate that. And with that, we're going to go to break for a minute, then we'll be right back with Deputy Secretary Seth Harris. I'm so excited. I'm ready to go out right now and start marching down the street. I'm ready for a civil rights march, but got to come back and finish the show. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with our national champion, Deputy Secretary Seth Harris. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Get ready for a show that breaks ground on the subject of women in motorsports and what it takes to dream, believe, achieve. Gas and Go with Alio is all about the movement that is happening lightning fast in women's racing. You'll get a wide array of perspectives from the drivers to the fans, as well as what it takes to be a role model in a male-dominated sport. Join your host, professional driver Allie Owens, for Gas and Go with Alio Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. 
what it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show we have with us. Deputy Secretary Seth Harris. From the Department of Labor, how exciting is that? And, Seth, we have several questions here. We'll take the first one because we are online with Twitter and Facebook, and here we go with Voice America. Uh, Deputy Secretary Harris, could you tell me, did you ever dream as a child that you would have a position where you would be, in a way, advising the President of the United States? No. No, I honestly, I didn't. I, you know, I... I got involved in politics when I was very young, at about the age of 10, and I used to think it was a great thrill just to be in a room with an assemblyman, a New York State assemblyman, which is one of our uh, legislative offices. Um, and I, I just, I never imagined that this, that this is possible. And I, you know, I, my parents uh, were not, I, I didn't come to this through birth. You know, there are people who get involved in politics. Not that there's anything wrong with this, but there are people who get involved in politics because their parents are involved, or their parents are in elective office, or their parents are big campaign contributors. My parents were school teachers, excellent school teachers, but they were school teachers who uh, cared a lot about politics and were very deeply involved in movement politics, but had never thought of running for office and had never been really deeply involved in campaigns. Um, but I just, I, I, I early on saw this as a way to really help change the world. And so I, I always thought that I would, you know, maybe end up working in an assemblyman's office. And um, now I'm working in the office of the Secretary of Labor, which is uh, pretty exciting. That, oh, I know that is so exciting. Um, and, and how how do you enjoy working with Secretary Solis? I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, she is a voice for people who've been left out of the process for a long time. Uh, she understands uh, middle-class families uh, not just the immigrant experience, but she's particularly eloquent about the immigrant experience in the United States, standing up for the rights of, of working families. But she really understands what a middle class, what it takes to keep and secure a middle class family. You know, she, her parents were union members, um, uh, who, and she's been very straight with folks that, that the reason that she was able to achieve what she achieved is because her folks were in unions, they had pensions, they had health care. They had reliable jobs, secure jobs. Uh, they were able to put her through college and support her in college, first in her family. Um, 
it's a real American story. And uh, so I really admire that. I identify with it. Uh, she's done a terrific job leading this organization. She's given us a vision of good jobs for everyone, which everybody in the department is rallying behind. And, you know, we debate what a good job is. We de- debate how we get good jobs for everyone. Um, but we're all committed to this mission. We all share the values that are articulated in this vision of good jobs for everyone. And for me, and I think that she feels this way as well, one of the exciting things about working at the Labor Department is you're surrounded by people who share your values. You know, people don't just, didn't just show up at the Labor Department because it was the first job they could get. They didn't apply to 10 government departments and the Labor Department responded first. People are here because they care about the mission. They want to help working families. They want to help people with disabilities get jobs. They want people to have health insurance and pensions. They want them to have safe and healthy workplaces, fair and diverse workplaces. And so they share the values that President Obama has articulated, Vice President Biden has articulated, and Secretary Solis articulates every day. And I'll tell you, it's a pleasure to work in an environment like that. It's really a pleasure to be able to live your values surrounded by people who are doing the same thing. Oh, that must be fantastic. Yes, and I, too, I, I don't know her as you do, but I had the pleasure of meeting her first at the White House and then, as you know, at the special meeting that you had about employment. Yes. Um, and I can tell that uh, both both of you, all of you, have really have your heart and soul uh, into employment, as does, of course, the Assistant Secretary at ODEP, Kathy Martinez. So I really, really um, was so excited to get to meet her and to work with her. But speaking of employment, Deputy Secretary Harris, I know that the Department of Labor is working with OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, on an upcoming job fair. I wondered if you could tell everyone about that for a minute. We are. Uh, and this, let me just say, this is putting values into action. Uh, on April 26th, um, we're going to have a federal government hiring expo for workers with disabilities. Uh, and federal hiring managers from departments across the government, including from here at the Labor Department, are going to be at the Washington Convention Center. And we invited um, uh, folks to apply for jobs, and we got more than 5,000 resumes from workers with disabilities. We're pre-screening those resumes. Our friends over at the Office of Personnel Management are pre-screening those resumes. About 500 of those people will be interviewed um, throughout the course of the day on April 26th by federal hiring managers. I think there's some possibility that people will be hired on the spot if they can be. Um, we're going to figure out how to make sure that the other 4,500 people get um, a, a fair shot at a job in the federal government. I think OPM is now sorting through those resumes, trying to figure out where those folks might work best. And what we're going to try to do, as my friend John Berry, who's the director of the Office of Personal, Ma- Personnel Management, has said, is we're really going to try to move the needle on the employment of people with disabilities by the federal government. It's, and, and John has been very clear about this, and Secretary Solis has been very clear about this. It's a disgrace that the employment of people with disabilities in the federal government has declined over the last, well, really, since the Americans with Disabilities Act. And you know, we see that throughout the economy, but the federal government is supposed to be a model employer for people with disabilities. So working with John and Secretary Solis and, and Kathy Martinez and in the Office of Disability Employment Policy, who's doing a fantastic job, um, we're going to put our values into action and set up interviews and get people hired 
and increase the employment rate within the federal government of people with disabilities. And let me just say, Joyce, this is a, a focus, you know, as the chief operating officer of the Labor Department, this is a focus of our hiring efforts here at the Labor Department. We want to get excellent, well-qualified workers with disabilities into the Labor Department and get them working on the mission of this department. We want to increase the employment rate, find the best qualified people out there, and uh, we think we can do that through this process and others. So this on April 26th, the, the hiring expo, I think, is a great start. It's not the end, and we want people with disabilities to apply for jobs in the federal government. They do not have to compete. There is a, an authority called Schedule A Authority. People with disabilities can be hired directly into the federal government if they have what are called targeted disabilities. And, you know, we're eager to get folks in here. So if there are listeners out there who are looking for jobs, please apply to the federal government. Live your values by giving through public service. Yes, and I mean, and you can do it. And there are uh, federal agencies, you know, we've been working with. Uh, one, though, that stands out, the NSA uh, has hired, is hiring so many people from us with, with disabilities and has really been a leader. But I am so excited to see you doing this because there are jobs there. You know, there are employment opportunities right there in Washington, D.C. with the federal government, and they are great jobs. So if you're listening to the show today and you're in that area, what's the date again, Seth? April 26th. Um, the folks that are going to get interviewed that day are pre-screened, but folks can apply for jobs through the Office of Personnel Management, um, and they should look at usajobs.gov, and there are jobs listed there as well. There are federal jobs across the United States, so even if you're not in the Washington, D.C. area, there are job opportunities with the federal government. Please do apply. Yeah, and I want to make one thing clear to you. The people they're interviewing that day, they are pre-screened, so it's not like a job fair where you should just go. Right. I mean, you would, you would be invited to go, so don't just go. Instead, do what he told you and go apply to OPM or, you know, go to any of the sites, apply for employment. Uh, but this is not a job fair. This is a pre-screened event where people are being invited to come in. You know why? Because they're serious about it. They want to hire people. That's why they're doing it the way they are. And, and I think it's fantastic, and I know that uh, John Barry is committed to this. Chris Griffin is. All of you are. I think it's fantastic. So anyway, uh, Seth. You were at the New York Law School, partnered with Tony on the Tony Quello Lecture Series. Talk about that for a minute. Well, uh, Joyce, one of the things, one of the many things that you and I have in common is that uh, Tony Quello is a hero to both of us. Um, I met sure. Tony. Uh, right? Am I, am I right about that? You got that right. <laughs> uh, He's my hero. I met Tony when I was uh, 18 years old. After my oh. freshman year of college, I was an intern at the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee when Tony was the chairman of the committee. Um, and, and we just hit it off. We met during that process. We hit it off. And uh, this is something you know about Tony that your listeners may not, Joyce, and that is Tony never lets anybody go. He, he's got this large extended family of people all across the country who he's met and he's just stayed in touch with. And I was one of those people. I was very fortunate to be one of those people. And uh, when I worked in the Clinton administration, I, um, uh, with Tony's really mentorship, 
I got involved in um, disability issues and the creation of the Presidential Task Force on the Employment of Adults with Disabilities, which Tony ended up uh, serving as the vice chair. And uh, so we, we've been friends for a very, very long time. Um, when I started teaching at New York Law School, I wanted to find some way both to honor Tony, but also to honor him by focusing on the issues that I know he cares about most. And we kicked this off uh, back in uh, 2003 with a lecture by Tony Coelho about the agenda for employment of people with disabilities. What did he want to see uh, and what should the disability community ask of the presidential candidates in 2004 regarding the employment of people with disabilities? Joyce, I, my recollection is that you dubbed this the Quello Challenge, um, okay. and he laid out an agenda. And after he laid this agenda out, he and I talked about how could we keep this agenda going? How could we keep this discussion of the agenda going? And, and he and I conceived this idea of having a, the Tony Quello Lecture Series at New York Law School. And so every year uh, we invited a, a major national a leader to come in and talk about disability employment policy. And we had some terrific speakers. Steny Hoyer, Congressman Steny Hoyer was there. Senator Dick Durbin came and spoke. It was really, I think, a terrific event. It kept the issues alive. Um, we, uh, 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 we were able to get the community in New York City engaged. Um, they were all uh, webcast on uh, the New York Law School website. And it was, a, I think, just a terrific event, a way of promoting Tony's agenda and keeping the discussion alive about how we could increase the employment rate among people with disabilities. So I, I, I look at that as one of my proudest achievements, and I look at my friendship with Tony Quello as really one of the most important in my life. And I have the exact same feeling. So I know how you feel, uh, what a great man he is. But we have uh, uh, a caller on the line. Are you on the line now, Sandy? Sandy, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Hi, Sandy, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Joyce? Good, good. Uh, you have a, this is Sandy Finucan, who is oh, I'm live. Our, champion, our champion at the Epilepsy Foundation. I assume you want to talk to Seth here? I do. I'd love to talk with Seth Harris. I haven't Sandy, talked to him it's in great a long to hear time. From you. Hi, Seth, how are you? I'm great. I'm doing great. That's really good to hear. Um, you know, and and I uh, apologize if you have already addressed this, but Seth, to me, it is one of the most beneficial things to our community that has happened to have you in the position that you're in at the Department of Labor. And I know your heart is in the right place. You have the energy. You understand what the issues are. Looking back on the last few years of the employment programs that you did before you were in the administration, what do you think are the key areas where you can make the most progress right now on hiring of people with disabilities and employment of people with disabilities? Well, thanks, Sandy. That, first of all, thank you for, for your comments. about I'm, I'm really flattered. I, you know, I'm, um, uh, Sandy is a terrific leader in the community. I'm a tremendous admirer of hers, and I'm, I'm just delighted to be able to talk with her. Joyce, and you brought us together again, so thank you for doing that. Um, you know, the, uh, and Sandy, you and I have been talking about this over the years, the, um, the challenges facing people with disabilities in the labor market are multifaceted, very complicated, um, and there's no silver bullet. There's no single solution. Mm -hmm. And different communities encounter different issues in different ways. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that health insurance reform uh, may have been the single most thing we could do to increase the employment rate among people with disabilities. That barrier to employment, um, uh, lack of health, in- of reliable health insurance that couldn't be taken away, I think that uh, really is going to make a difference. I think um, the uh, skill and knowledge acquisition, the acquisition of credentials that demonstrate that, uh, that workers with disabilities are well qualified for jobs in the labor market is going to be critically important. Our Employment and Training Administration, which provides job training through our workforce investment system, working with the Department of Education and uh, both the vocational rehabilitation system there and the adult education system there, as well as the K-12 through system, I think that educational attainment is a very, very important issue for the disability community. Uh, well, uh, students with disabilities are much less likely to graduate from high school. They're significantly less likely to get a college degree than uh, students without disabilities. Um, and success in the labor market is largely determined by what your credentials are, what you have learned through either formal education or post-secondary education. Um, I, so I think that's a critical issue. I, I think the uh, uh, one of the issues that the Office of Disability Employment Policy is working on now with the Employment and Training Administration is how we can try to revive this Ticket to Work program that was put in place under the Social Security Administration that try, tries to help folks on SSDI and SSI to get the, the services that they need to move off of cash assistance and get back into the labor market or get into the labor market for the first time, get jobs, stay in jobs, um, the Office of Disability Employment Policy is working very hard at that. And the issue of accommodation and civil rights is an extremely important question. And the, uh, the Office of Disability Employment Policy, of course, sponsors the Job Accommodation Network, which provides critical advice to employers. Um, but uh, it's not just ODEP that has a role in this. The, we have here at the Labor Department, we have the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs um, that enforces a variety of civil rights law inc- laws, including the Rehabilitation Act for employees of federal contractors. I think OFCCP, working with the Civil Rights Division at Justice and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, can make this promise of reasonable accommodation and affirmative action for people with disabilities under the Rehab Act a reality. Um, they have proposed a regulation that's going to focus on making affirmative action for people with disabilities more real. So I think there are a number of ways we can address slices of the problem and taken together, I think that we can move the needle and increase the employment rate among people with disabilities. And let let me just say one more thing. One of the most valuable things that the Labor Department has done uh, with respect to the employment of people with disabilities was the Bureau Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is our statistical agency, um, actually counting those people with disabilities who are employed. And so every month now, we get an unemployment rate for people with disabilities published as part of the regular monthly unemployment numbers that are put out by BLS, and we get a monthly employment rate. And what those data tell us is that while unemployment, meaning people who are looking for work but can't find it, is a big problem in the disability community, it's a higher rate than it is for people without disabilities. The much larger problem is that a, the largest percentage of people with disabilities aren't looking for work at all. They're yeah. out of the labor market entirely. 
So we have to come up with public policy solutions to get people with disabilities into the labor market and help them to succeed there. That's the challenge that we face. Thank you. Boy, that's, that was comprehensive. Well, I know there's a lot of questions I could ask about underneath all of those different areas. Um, just one that I'm thinking of as well on the other side of, I mean, I'm all in favor of civil rights enforcement. I have a lot of questions about what OFCCP could be doing. I remember the days a long time ago when, um, under the under the Rehab Act, I'm showing my age here, when the OFCCP was regularly bringing cases, for example. Um, but anyway... Uh, I think more important is in, in incentives to employers, and you know what are, what is the administration doing, or what do you see as potential opportunities to encourage employers to make it a win-win situation? That it's not just enforcement; it's a benefit to them to hire people with disabilities. Are there any particular programs coming in the pipeline, or things that you can say at this point? Well, there there. In the, as you know, Sandy, already in the law, there are tax credits for employers who provide accommodations or architectural adjustments to their workplaces so that people with disabilities will have access to the workplace. Um, so it, there, there is funding available through the tax system for employers to knock down the barriers in their workplace that keep people with disabilities from succeeding or from even getting jobs in the first place. Um, and there are a number of other tax uh, credit and other kinds of benefits that encourage uh, employers to hire people with disabilities. The Work Opportunities Tax Credit, for example, is one way that uh, the government is sponsoring uh, people with disabilities and helping them to get jobs with employers. But I, again, I think that's one piece of what we need to do. I think incentives mm -hmm. for employers or really helping to defray the cost of accommodation which I think to some extent unjustifiably scares employers off mm -hmm. um, because most accommodations are really not that expensive. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I think the availability of these tax credits should encourage employers to go ahead and take the leap. You know, no, no one, and I, I, I know that this is true for Joyce, no one is asking employers to hire someone that's not qualified. Mm -hmm. Everyone agrees that employers should hire people who can do the work. But what we found is there are so many other things other than qualifications that are keeping people from, with disabilities from getting jobs that we have to address all of these independent barriers, the barriers that have nothing whatsoever to do with qualifications in order to get employers to do the hiring. So I don't think we have to pay employers to make the hiring decision. We just have to make it easier for them to make the decision. I'll tell you what. Oh, my goodness. I mean... So many things we could say about this, but I am so glad to hear someone talking about all this. And Sandy, you are a champion for all of us. Thank you for calling in. I'm glad for the opportunity to talk to you, Seth, and I hope to talk to you some more. Sandy, a okay. pleasure. Look forward to it. Take care. I know we have. I have to take a couple callers here because we have a few people that have been waiting to talk to you, Seth. And one of them, I think, is Tony. Tony, are you on the line? I'm on, but I'm happy to wait. No, that's all right. Go right ahead. Uh, no, I'm I'm uh, pleased. Excuse me. This is Tony Quello. For all of you that do not know, see, he's sort of like one of these famous uh, singers where you just have to say share. In our in our yeah, world, he's like Madonna. Just, Tony just is very Tony. much like we Madonna. We know who it is, right? <laughs> I don't know what you, I don't know what you mean by that, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Madonna. 
Jeez, uh, well, I won't go there. Um, the, no, it's a pleasure to, to call in. Uh, Seth and I have uh, known each other for more years than he and I want to stay. Uh, he worked for me way back when. Um, and uh, Seth, Excuse uh, me, Tony, he did say. He told earlier. Okay. I, I said, Tony, I said how old I was when we met, but I had the good taste not to say how old you were when we met. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, most people all they do is read the Internet and, or go to the Internet and they can find out very quickly. Um, the, uh, but Seth has been uh, involved with the disability community for many, many years and been aggressively uh, helpful to our community uh, in the Clinton administration and after uh, the Clinton administration, he went up to uh, New York Law School and and had a uh, lecture series there uh, and was involved in disability law at that time. So he's been aggressively involved in, and as Undersecretary of Labor, he's involved in all the different programs dealing with disabilities. So I think it's fabulous that he's in this role and can be so helpful to our community especially as someone who uh, really understands uh, what it is that we in the disability community uh, face, go through, and what we've been through um, in regards to government not uh, listening or willing to listen uh, to our concerns, our needs, and what uh, the problems that we face on a, on a daily basis. So I think it's great that uh, Seth is where he is. Uh, he has been working hard uh, in the last year just to start to bring some of these problems to the forefront. Uh, for example, I know Joyce is, has had uh, Pat Chu on the show, I'm sure, um, or you're going to have Pat on, um, and uh, just with the federal contractors area. Uh, here's a, an area where uh, federal contractors law has never really been enforced in regards to people with disabilities. Um, and once that's enforced, which Pat says it will be, uh, this could impact uh, thousands of people with disabilities and their chance to uh, be hired as a result of that. So I just get excited uh, knowing that, uh, Seth, that you're there um, and that uh, you understand uh, what is going on. And, and hopefully we'll be hearing soon with uh, the anniversary of the ADA um, some, uh, hopefully, some executive orders and other things coming out of the administration uh, that you're involved with. So I'm excited about it. Just wanted to call in when I heard that you were going to be on uh, to let you know how proud I am and um, how excited I am that uh, you are in the position that you are in and hope that you'll be for many more years with this administration. Well, thanks very much, Tony. Thank you so much, Tony. Thanks for calling in. Okay, I think we have, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, you're popular, Deputy Secretary <laughs> Seth Harris. I think we have on the line right now, Kelly, are you on the line? Uh, yes, I am. Kelly, this is uh, Kelly Bucklin, who is the CEO, Executive Director of NCIL Nickel. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, thanks, Joyce. I appreciate being on the show and uh, uh opportunity to talk to you, Seth. Uh, I have like a whole uh, bunch of questions I'd like to ask you, but I'll try to limit it. Uh, I think, as you know, and I think everyone else knows that's uh, been on the show so far, 
uh, and uh, in the audience, for that matter, knows uh, doing what we've done to increase the uh, employment rate of people with disabilities is simply not working. So we have to do something different. And I would just like to kind of hear some of your ideas about uh, some things that you think that we could do differently uh, that we haven't been doing in the past to help increase the employment rate of people with disabilities. I know you've covered some of that in the show already, but some things that you haven't covered or if there are any other ideas that you have or uh, things that you've heard. Uh, and may I just say one thing, Deputy Secretary? Um, Kelly, I just want you to know we have well, one of my customers that I love, CSC, had an event where we, Vendor Consulting Services, we have this Vendor Ambassador event you know, at their corporate office, and we ask someone well-known in the federal government to come and speak. And when I ask Seth, honestly, I mean, I'm, it, I'm thinking, oh, you know, if he can come and just say a few words. He came with this speech that was unbelievable. I mean, actually, you have to send me that speech. I mean, that <laughs> speech was so great. And I just want you to know one thing you didn't get to talk about yet, but you have been reaching out public and private. Isn't that true? That, yes, that is true. To increase the employment, I mean. Yeah. That's that's true, uh, Kelly. First of all, let me uh, let me let me say what a tremendous fan I am of the work of uh, Nickel um, and the independent living movement. As I think is a critical part of um, uh, of increasing the employment rate of people with disabilities. Um, I think independent living and employment are inextricably linked, and it's impossible to think of independent living without employment, and it's impossible to think of uh, employment without the supports that come with living in the community and the the just the, if nothing else, the mindset of independence that comes with living in the community rather than in an institution. So I think the work of Nickel is critically important, and, and, and uh, Kelly and I have known each other for a while, and I, I think that his work has really been tremendous. Um, uh, Kelly, my, my view of uh, uh, how we increase this employment rate among people with disabilities, first of all, the, the starting place for the whole thing is increasing the employment rate among Americans as a whole. I mean, we're, we're in a historic recession right now. This is the worst um, uh, recession we've seen in seven decades. Uh, the employment, the unemployment rate for the country as a whole is 9.7 percent, but there are millions more workers who are discouraged workers who are working part-time for economic reasons, meaning they would like to be working full-time, but they're working part-time because they, they just don't have a choice. They can't find full-time work. Creating jobs in the economy is going to be critical uh, not just for all Americans, but particularly for people with disabilities. Um, we can't increase the employment rate unless there are jobs for people with disabilities out there. So uh, the work that President Obama and Vice President Biden have done with the, recover the American Reinvestment and Recovery Act to create jobs in the economy with the new legislation, the small bill that will um, uh, give employers a, so a, um, uh, a payroll tax holiday so that they can uh, hire more workers. I think that's going to be very important to increasing employment among all Americans. We have a long way to go to dig out of this tremendous hole that the recession created for us, and the Recovery Act is getting there. We had good news um, in the most recent jobs report. 162,000 jobs were created in the economy. That's a start, but we have a long way to go. The challenge, of course, is to make sure that, that the prosperity, if we're heading towards prosperity, and I believe we are, um, that the prosperity is broadly shared, that 
everyone has an opportunity, a real opportunity to get these jobs. And as I said before, this is a process that's going to take a lot of different steps by a lot of different government agencies, private employers, not-for-profits, uh, state and local governments. It's, there's no single solution to the problem. Um, as I said, education is going to be critical. Um, one of the things that we're focused on here at the department is uh, our wounded warriors and how do we uh, um, help um, Iraq-era and uh, Afghanistan veterans who are coming back who've experienced some kind of a, uh, uh, an injury, whether it's a physical injury or post-traumatic stress disorder or a traumatic brain injury, how do we help to get them into the workforce as well? Uh, we have a very vigorous and enthusiastic assistant secretary for Veterans Employment and Training Service named Ray Jefferson, himself a, a veteran with a disability, who is deeply committed to our wounded warriors and is building partnerships with the Army Reserve, with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, with other organizations. That's what it's going to take, is bringing the parties to the table, building programs that will bind them together, assuring that our veterans and people with disabilities have the skills they need, that we match them to jobs in which they can succeed, assure them the supports that they need in those jobs so that they can remain in the jobs, and then re you know, repeat, do that cycle all over again. So there are many, many pieces to that, and I think we all have a share in it. Um, but I, as I said, I think that the most important step that we've taken so far is this health insurance reform uh, bill that President Obama succeeded in getting through Congress. That, I think, is going to help to move the needle tremendously. And, Kelly, Kelly, I just want to say I appreciate you calling in so much. And you know I am behind you 100%, and I will look forward to our event celebrating uh, the, 20, the 20th anniversary of the ADA this year. Thank you so much. But we have one last call. We can only take another caller. I don't want to miss this caller. Chris, are you on the line? Hello. Hey, Chris, we hear you. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. Hi, Seth. Hi. Is this my friend Chris Griffin? Yes, it is. Hey, listen, I wanted to just echo what Tony said, but I also want to say that, you know, Seth, you've had this far-reaching impact uh, within the disability community in ways that people are unaware of. I can't tell you how many lawyers I've run into in the private sector as well as government that you've taught. And, and you've, you've given them an appreciation of the disability rights law, whether they're working in the field or not. You've actually spread the wealth, as I like to think, that by, by giving them the, um, the education and the benefit of your experience working with the disability community. So uh, I think we're all, the community's far better for it, uh, whether, again, the people work in the in this area or not, they carry that appreciation and knowledge with them wherever they go. So thanks for that. Well, Chris, I really appreciate it. And uh, to all my students out there, I, I, uh, I think what Chris is doing is inviting you to apply for a job at the Office of Personnel Management. Uh, it's Christine Griffin. Just send your resume directly to her. <laughs> exactly. Hey, and yeah, listen, well, she is ahead. a leader Sorry. in America. She is leading the charge with... Best friend John Barry for employment for people with disabilities, and it is always an honor to hear from you, Chris. Well, thank you. Thanks for the show, Joyce, and, and thanks, Seth. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of things together, which 
um, is really exciting, and then I, I just can't wait to see what we do next in the area of employment for people with disabilities. So Great. thanks to all leadership. Thanks a lot, Chris. It's a pleasure working with you. I know, I know that we only have a few minutes till we have to close the show because, of course, we're going to have to have him on again. Never, you know, this is what happens when you have someone that's doing so much for us. But, uh, Seth, I have to ask you one thing. For all those young people listening to the show right now that are being bullied every single day of their life, some of which have even tried to commit suicide, bully side, I just want them to know. You've got their back, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, um, there's hope. That's, I think that's the most important message for people with disabilities, particularly young people with disabilities, is, of course, society has surrounded you with barriers, um, but there are role models out there who've shown that they can do it. And they're not all superstars like some of the people that we've had the opportunity to talk to today. They're just workaday middle-class folks who get up every day, um, get into their chair, pick up their cane, they get their dog, they go to work, they're productive, they contribute to their workplace, they earn a solid living, they take care of their families, and then they go home to their kids at night. There are millions of them out there who've succeeded, and I think that you can do it too. And uh, we're here at the Labor Department, and our friend Chris Griffin and John Berry over at OPM are there, and hundreds of of people who think like us throughout the government whose job it is to help make this society an easier place for you to succeed, and we're going to try and make that happen. And listen, uh, Seth, over the past few years, well, I mean, you've already accomplished so much, but I just had to ask you this one question. What would you say is your proudest accomplishment? Um, my kids. My kids are my proudest accomplishment. You know, that's, for me... I know this is going to sound really hokey, Joyce, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a hokey guy. Um, but um, for me, my kids are the reason for doing this. Um, and I tell them this every time I miss a soccer game or I miss dinner because I get home too late because I've been working uh, too late at the office. Um, this is all for them. My, my kids, don't, my, my kids are, don't have disabilities yet, um, but you never know, and someday soon I'm going to have one. And uh, But... I want them to grow up in a world where these barriers are found only in a museum. You can't find them in everyday life. And well, where they I am not see- surprised hearing you say that. Um, and I know we only have a, about a minute left to the show, but what message would you like to leave with our listeners, Seth? Well, uh, I think that uh, uh, we're, we're working hard to create change and that uh, we're working hard with the community and we want the community to be involved um, as Franklin Roosevelt once said to Sidney Hillman, who was the president of the Textile Workers Union, um, when Sidney Hillman was lobbying him on some piece of legislation, he said, Sid, you convinced me. Now go out and bring pressure on me. Uh, the folks in the community should never stop agitating, never stop pushing, never stop lobbying and, and advocating with people like me in my position, because even though you've convinced me, we need your help. We need you to be engaged. So don't give up the fight. Keep pushing. We're not done yet. We've got a long way to go, and we need you all involved. Wow. Deputy Secretary Seth Harris, we love you. We admire you. And I can say as the chair of the National Epilepsy Foundation, but CEO of Bender, I can tell you on behalf of people with disabilities, we're proud to have you 
in our corner. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you. And in his words, our quote today from a famous civil rights leader is, Prosperity must be broadly spread, and that includes Americans with disabilities, said Deputy Secretary Seth Harris. Thanks again, Seth. Keep up the great work. Thank you for all of you great listeners. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.